Have you ever been in a city, lived in a city, or had a city become so close to you, so much a part of you, that it was everything, that it was your heart and soul? Well, that's kind of how a few cities are to me. I'm from upstate New York, and I'm not saying that upstate New York is that way to me, because it certainly is not. Uh, that is the case with all the cities you kind of grow grow up in, and kind of you've been there your whole life, so they kind of wear on you a little bit, and they kind of get tired. But I have always loved, and I have always wanted to be in three cities. Always wanted to spend a lot of time in three cities my whole life, and New York, Vegas, and Seattle, and. I got to take care of the majority of my life. The majority of my young life was in, was in New York. Like I said, I'm from upstate New York, so I spent a lot of my life, and my family heritage is from Queens. So I spent a lot of my life and a lot of my young life, or any part of my life, in New York City, getting used to it and getting familiar with it and becoming part of it, and it becoming part of me. So it is, and it's, it's, it's ingrained in me. And I remember looking at Seattle and thinking, I always wanted to be in Seattle. I've always wanted to live out here. And I've always wanted to experience. And there is no other city, just like New York and Vegas, there are no other cities anywhere else in the world that are like them at all. You can go here in Seattle, you can go down to Pike Place Market, and you can go to Elliott Bay and the Boardwalk, and you look to the right. You look one way, and you see the Olympic Mountains. And you look to the left, and you see Mount Rainier and the Cascades. There's no... You can't get that view anywhere else. Now, yes, I've seen... I understand arguments within Missoula and Montana and everywhere else in the Rockies. You can see stuff that is far, far steeper peaks. And in the Karakoram and in the Himalaya, you can see the tallest and the second tallest peak on Earth. So, so yes, I get that. But there's there's no place else in the world like Seattle. Sorry about that, everyone. And there's no place else in the world like Vegas and like New York. I don't gamble, so it's hard to say, I know draw thinking. You don't gamble, so why the draw? Well, it's Vegas, there's an aura about it, just like Seattle, New York. There's an aura about it. There's there's something like it that's unlike anything else in the world that nothing else and you can go you can walk up and down the strip you can walk up and down walk up and down Fremont you can go to different casinos there's a there's, it's, it's a different feel there's another it's, it's a world entirely of itself and it's infectious and for someone who doesn't gamble it's infectious in all the right ways there's shows, there's all sorts of good things to see, and I get a huge kick out of it. I love it. And there's just, there's so much to do outside of it. And I'm to, now I'm not going to say I'm not by the stretch of anyone's imagination. I'm not an authority on the matter. I would never consider myself an authority on the matter of Vegas or on the matter of anything else. I would never consider myself the author- an authority on that at all. Now, as far as cruising is concerned, as you'll hear at the end of the episode here, as far as cruising is concerned, the best podcast out there, the best cruising podcast and the best podcast out there is Fantastic Cruising. 
and I would recommend that all of you go to check it out on, on your favorite podcast device. Give them a five-star review on on iTunes podcasts. You'll hear that a little bit more at the end of the episode here, but they are the best, and I would consider Matt and Kimbra the authority on podcasting. They know their stuff, and they know what they're talking about, and it's it's, it's incredible. There's, there's just a lot of fun to listen to. So on a recent episode that I was listening to, not a re- necessarily recent release, it was an older episode, I'm just re-listening to a few things. Uh, they had, they were comparing cruises versus land-based excursions or land-based vacations. And I can't really say that I have one preference over the other. They're, they're about equal. The same kind of lust and the same kind of passion and desire that I have for cruising, I have for Vegas. They're just about equal. And there are so many things I could tell you, so many things I could give you advice on, and so many things I could tell everyone about Vegas. Now, Matt brought up a point, and Matt asked a question, and he said, you know, he don't know, he and Kimber said they don't know if they would go back, and please correct me if I got this wrong, they don't know if they would go back to up at Vegas at all, and I understand that, to each their own. They we all have things we're drawn to we all have things we like and don't like I love Vegas I would go back tomorrow absolutely hands down my best friend asked me if you could go back to can you, if you could go back to Vegas would you well yes of course and can you relax in Vegas absolutely absolutely you can relax and the same question I would extend that to asking can you relax in Disney can you relax in Universal Studios well, most people say yes, because Vegas is like, like, like Disney and and Universal Studios. Vegas has it's an entire city, an entire planet. It's an entire city designed around the principle of access, designed around taking you out of your life and sub- and 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 submersing you or. And immersing you, that's probably a word actually, immersing you in a world of fantasy, a world of, of excess, and just a world of your fantasies, and a world of, of free thinking, and, and some people go wild, um, and it's, it's, it's anything that can adequately, that, that can take your mind completely and fully off whatever's going on around you. It's perfect by me. And Vegas does that all the time. Every time to me. And it's it's one of the reasons why I love the city so much. And other than saying there's an aura about it, it's hard to put on it. It's hard to put a term to it more than that. It really is. There's an aura about it. Now, Matt mentioned that there was... He's a big, uh, he's a big Star Trek fan. As am I. Huge Star Trek fan. And there are... There was an exhibit and an event and an excursion and things going on that uh, Star Trek The Experience. And that was at the Vegas Hilton, which is, I forget what it is now, um, but that was at the Vegas Hilton. And a while ago when it was there, um, one of the first few times I had gone to Vegas was I had gone with a couple of friends. And a couple of friends and I had cosplay had had outfits and we dressed up like captains 
I had a crew. I was a captain. I had a crew. He was a captain. He had a crew. It was just, it's, it was just so much fun. And you can sort of think about it, cosplaying and dressing up like that, as the character, seeing the characters in Disney and seeing the characters in Universal. People dress up as princesses when they go to Disney. It's the same thing. If you go to a, if you go to a show you really love in Vegas and you dress up like characters in the show, it's the same thing. Same exact thing. And so it was just, it was just so much fun. And there are things outside of Vegas, outside of the Strip, outside of Fremont. There are things to do outside of that. Red Rock Canyon, the Valley of Fire, the Hoover Dam, all sorts of amazing things where you get to see a side of that area of the Mojave and a side of that area that you didn't know was there or that most people don't know because they stay on the Strip or they stay around Fremont and they stick to that area. Another cool thing, oh, while you're on Fremont, a cool thing to do is while you're on Fremont, go to the Mob Museum. That's a lot of fun. And I'm going to get into a little bit more of that in a second. But it's, there's just something, there's something about Vegas that makes it so awesome. Makes it so awesome. Like, like Elvis said, Viva Las Vegas. Or the song that I prefer, A Little Less Conversation. That's just me. You know, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge Elvis fan. Not by the stretch of anyone's imagination. But, you know, when I hear those two songs, I think of, I prefer A Little Less Conversation. That's just me. And if I can if I can insert it here, I can give you a little clip of it. Unless you already know what I'm talking about. So there's the, a lot of the history. Vegas has a very rich and a very deep history. Very, very deep history. And a lot of it goes back to one of the oldest casinos in the Vegas area or the Vegas Strip. It's not, it's, it, 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 as it actually stands now, isn't what it was, isn't what it what, what had what it had originally been. So the, as it stands now, it stands on fifty about fifteen acres. Back then, it stood on about forty, and this was it was opened. It's the Flamingo, and it was opened on December twenty sixth, nineteen forty six, and it was opened by a man who was synonymous with the mafia. How the second I said Vegas and the second I said the Flamingo, you probably all know what I'm talking about. But synonymous with Vegas, and a little bit of interesting, but interesting about history about him is that it was named for Ben Benjamin Siegel, or as everyone knows him, Bugsy, Bugsy Siegel. Now the history of that is he he never wanted to be known for his nickname. He hated his nickname. He always wanted to be called Ben or Benjamin. He hated the name Bugsy. And the name Bugsy came from at the time during Bugsy's life, during the time that Bugsy had was building the Flamingo. Bugs or Bugsy meant that because Bugsy was quick to trigger. He was short-tempered. He was ill-mannered. He was quick to action. He was frenetic. And Bugsy meant well, he, he was like that. People would describe him. People would say, hey, that guy's Bugs. Or that guy's just Bugsy. He's just crazy, and that's how he got the nickname. And then he was stuck. Now a little bit of a history here, and that you also know, and I probably may also glance glance over here in some of my notes, is that the flamingo is actually named after Bugsy's girlfriend, Virginia Hill. 
happened, it was created, Bugsy named it that in reference to her long legs. So, it's in, like I said, it was opened on December 26, 1946, with well-known singer and comedian Jimmy Durante headlining the night's entertainment, with music by Cuban band leader Xavier Cugat. Some of, some of infamous gangster Bugsy Siegel's Hollywood friends, including actors George Raft, George Sanders, Sonny Tufts, and George Jessel were in attendance. A lot of what happened for Bugsy was that Bugsy had Bugsy had come from Bugsy had come from the mafia from New York, and Bugsy had gone out to Hollywood and be and hobnobbed with the Hollywood elite and with the Hollywood Hollywood bigwigs. Sorry, uh, allergy coughs here. Sorry about that, everyone. I tried to hold the mic away from my mouth, but those, that's just allergy. So I apologize for you hearing that. And it, it's more going to come up. So, <coughs> again, sorry. What's some of the blessings? Some of the weird things about recording live? You get what you get, and you kind of got to roll with it. And that's why I record live, because I don't like to do editing. I don't want to edit. I want to keep editing as low as I can. The grand opening of the Flamingo Hotel, however, was a flop. Bad weather kept many other Hollywood guests from arriving, and because gamblers had no rooms at the hotel, they took their winnings and gambled elsewhere. The casino lost $300,000 in the first week of operation. Bugsy and his New York partners had invested $1 million in a property already under construction by Billy Wilkerson owner of the Hollywood Reporter, as well as some very popular nightclubs on the Sunset Strip in L.A. Wilkerson had wanted to recreate the Sunset Strip in Las Vegas with a European-style hotel with luxury rooms, a spa, health club, showroom, golf course, nightclub, and upscale restaurant. But he soon ran out of money. This is Billy Wilkerson. Soon ran out of money due to the high cost of materials immediately after the war in 19... This is around 1945-46. So you ever seen which war we're talking about here. Siegel, who had, who had held a large investment in, in the racing publication Transamerica Wire, was drawn to Las Vegas in 1945 by his interest in legalized... by his interest in legalized gambling and off-track betting. He purchased the El, the El Cortez Hotel for $600,000 and later sold it for a, for a cool $166,000 profit. Siegel and his organized crime buddies, most commonly, known by, most commonly known by the name Meyer Lansky, and everyone in this history knows, knows, mob history knows the name Meyer Lansky. Siegel and his organized crime buddies used the profits to inf influence Wilkerson to accept new partners. Siegel took, Siegel took over the project and supervised the building, naming it after Virginia Hill, whose nickname was the Flamingo because of her red hair and long legs. Two weeks after the grand opening, the Flamingo closed down. It reopened March 1st, 1947 at the, as the fabulous Flamingo. Siegel forced Wilkerson out in April 
and by May, the resort reported a profit, but it wasn't enough to save Bugsy. Convinced that Siegel wasn't giving them a square count, a square count, it is widely believed that his partners in organized crime had him killed while he was reading the paper on, July, on June 20, 1947, at Hills Beverly Hills Mansion, Virginia Hills Beverly Hills Mansion. There is several reports, if you look online, and several stories, if you look online, you can see what was theorized to have happened to Bugsy and how he was killed. Now, bear in mind, have a strong stomach, because you see pictures and you see how he was shot, and you see, like, shots, and I'm not going to describe it too much, because if you look up the picture and you want to see it, then see it. Um... But I've lost my place in my notes here. <laughs> I wrote the notes and I lost my own place in them. Hill, uh, Virginia Hill was in Paris, having flown the coop after a fight with Siegel ten days prior. The crime remains unsolved to this day. No one knows exactly who shot Bugsy. There are have been claims, and several claims on different podcasts will get into it, different stories, different, different documentaries will get into it, as to who has claiming... claiming the deed. Everyone who's anyone has tried to associate it to Meyer, to Meyer Lansky, or people associated with Meyer. When Bugsy went from, when Bugsy came out to Vegas from LA, he came out with his friend, a, a, a friend or a cohort by the name of, of Mo Sedway. So everyone who probably should kind of look up that name or kind of know it a little bit more about Road, because I didn't write down Mo, a lot about Mo Sedway, but hopefully I'll get into Mo here. Surviving a series of names and ownership changes, the hotel is still known today as the Flamingo, the Flamingo Las Vegas. Let's see if I can get a little bit more information, give you a little bit more information on Bugsy, why he was called Bugsy, other than what I've already said. Bugsy Siegel built the, crime, built the criminal empire through bootlegging, gambling, and ruthless assassinations before setting up shop in Vegas. He, some of my notes as well, he opened the, fl- the, f- the Flamingo to just the start of his notorious gambling operation in the middle of the Las Vegas desert. In 1947, he was gunned down in his girlfriend Virginia Hill's home at the age of 41. Bugsy Siegel was born Benjamin Siegel on February 28, 1906 in Brooklyn, New York. The son of Jewish immigrants, Siegel was raised in the crime-ridden section of Williamsburg where Irish and Italian gangs were prevalent. As a teenager, he extorted money from pushcart peddlers on New York's Lower East Side. In 1918, Siegel befriended fellow hooligan Meyer Lansky, with, with whom he established the Bugs Meyer Gang, a band of ruthless Jewish mobsters that ran a group of contract killers under the name Murder, Inc. During the 1920s, Mafia kingpin Charles Lucky Luciano and several other Italian gangsters organized themselves into a national syndicate, nicknaming Bugsy for, for, his, volatile ge- for his volatile nature. Siegel became a prominent player in, his, in this newly established group of criminals with a goal of killing off as many, New York's, many of New York's veteran gangsters. Siegel was one of four hitmen hired to execute Sicilian mobster Joe the Boss Masseria in 1931. In 1937, Siegel relocated his bootlegging and gambling rackets to the West Coast, settling in California, 
He set up gambling dens and offshore gambling shops, while also consolidating the already existing prostitution, narcotics, and bookmaking rackets, moving his, at the time he was married, moving his wife and children out with him, Siegel maintained an extravagant lifestyle in Beverly Hills, where he bought a palatial estate, frequented parties, and rubbed elbows with Hollywood moguls and starlets. In the late 1930s, Siegel began dating actress Virginia Hill. They were a striking couple, known, known as much for their, volatile, their violent, volatile natures as for their glamorous looks. Bugsy was often referred to as the looker, the, the striking male figure. He was kind of the womanizer, I guess. The striking male figure of organized crime. All women wanted to be him, be around him, be with him. And he came knowing his volatile nature and being who he was. He was not about to turn them down and do anything to the contrary whatsoever. In 1945, the two moved to Las Vegas, Bugsy and Virginia, where Siegel began working toward his dream of building a gambling mecca in the Nevada desert. Well, with funding from Eastern from the Eastern Crime Syndicate, construction of the Flamingo Hotel and Casino began under Siegel's supervision. Originally budgeted at $1.5 million, a heck of a lot of money at the time, and even more now, the building projects soon proved to be, hold on, that was, I wrote down, referred to the page, and then as I was referring to the page in my notes, I wrote them refer back, because I'll do this a lot of times when I'm researching stuff, I'll write refer back to page, or refer back to Wikipedia, or refer back to history.com, so I refer back to history.com, and when I'm referring, read through the article, things just jump up, and images kind of, you know, Google, things just jump in front of me and block off my image, block off my screen. Originally budgeted at $1.5 million, the building project soon proved to be a problem as construction costs soared to more than $6 million. When it was discovered that many of the overruns were attributed to Siegel's theft and mismanagement, Lansky, now a prominent member of the Eastern Syndicate, became enraged by his betrayal. Meyer Lansky felt that Bugsy had betrayed him. On the evening of June 20th, 1947, Siegel was brutally killed when a, f- when a fusillade of bullets crashed through Hill's living room window in Beverly Hills, where he was visiting. Simultaneously, three of Lelansky's cohorts entered the Flamingo Hotel and declared a takeover. Although Lansky denied involvement in the hit, there is little doubt that Siegel was murdered on syndicate orders. Well, of course. It kind of has to be. Siegel married his Siegel married his childhood sweetheart, Esther Krakauer, in in January of nineteen twenty nine, and together they had two daughters. Millicent, who just recently died in twenty seventeen, and Barbara. Wow. That's I don't I don't know if you'd ever want to admit to that. Or admit to for for Either Millicent or Barbara, I don't even either of them would, would have wanted to admit that their dad was Bugsy Siegel. That is just, I mean, and if you studied if, or if you know anything about mob history, 
that is just like there are names in mob history in the mob world that are synonymous with mob worlds uh, with the mob world Charles Lucky Luciano um, John Dillinger Bonnie and Clyde uh, Meyer Lansky um, Frank Collada Tony Spilatro kind of famous names like that and some of those names that are is one of those one of the most famous names like people have said the Elvis or the Elvis the King the predominantly known famous person of the mob was Bugsy Siegel everyone knows his name or everyone who has heard or researched or been interested in or looked at mob history something has been mentioned about Bugsy someone knows him and knows of him and it's just kind of interesting the stuff that you'll find in the, in the in the history of what you'll find on him however Siegel's philandering caused the couple to divorce in 1946 and Esther subsequently moved herself and their daughters out of Beverly Hills and returned to New York movie that depicts the life and times of Siegel the, among the movies that depicted the life and times of Siegel the 1991 mafia flick Bugsy starring Warren Beatty in the titular little role is perhaps the most famous there is there is a lot there is a lot about Bugsy and he like I just said he is very famous and he is very very well known and he is very, he is very, um, he is very popular amongst the world. And he is very, like I said, he is the, he is the Elvis of, of, he is the Elvis of the syndicate. And when you talk about the mob world and you talk about how those names I just mentioned, when you talk about the mob world and you talk about those names I just mentioned, people who know a thing or two about it or have studied this will tell you his name, will know who he is. And there is, and there's, a, there's a kind of stuff that, that is a little bit of a, a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a background. Let's see if I can give you a little bit more on here. Uh, he was born in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. The second, the second of five children of a poor Jewish family that immigrated to the U.S. from the immigrated to the U.S. from the Galicia region of what was then Austria-Hungary. His parents, Jenny and Max Siegel, const- constantly worked for meager wages. As a boy, Siegel left school and joined a gang on Lafayette Street on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. He committed mainly thefts until he met Mo Sedway. There's Mo Sedway. There's his name again. And together with Sedway, Siegel developed a protection racket in which he threatened, which he threatened to incinerate pushcart owners' merchandise unless they unless they paid him a dollar. Siegel soon built up a lengthy criminal record dating from his teenage years that included armed robbery, rape, and murder. That anyone who knows anything about Bugsy says perfect. That fits him. That fits him to the T. That is exactly like him. During adolescence, Siegel befriended Meyer Lansky, who formed a small mob whose activities expanded to gambling and car theft. 
Lansky, who had already had a run-in with Charles Lucky Luciano, saw a need for the Jewish boys of his Brooklyn neighborhood to organize in the same manner as the Italians and Irish. The first person he recruited for his gang was Bugsy. Siegel became involved in bootlegging within several major East Coast cities. He also worked for he also worked as the mob's hitman, who Lansky would hire out to other crime families. The two formed the Bugs and Meyer mob, which handled hits hits for various bootlegging gangs operating in New York and New Jersey. Doing so much doing so all doing so almost a decade before Murder, Inc. was formed. They did all that before Murder, Inc. was formed. There are... There are... Con- there are connections that... There's a little bit of Bugsy's background in Hollywood. In Hollywood, Siegel was welcomed in the highest circles and befriended movie stars. He was known to associate with George Raft, Clark Gable, Gary Cooper, and Cary Grant as well as studio executives Louis B. Mayer and Jack, J- Jack L. Warner. Actress Jean Harlow was a friend of Siegel and godmother to his daughter Millicent. Siegel bought real estate and threw lavish parties at his Beverly Hills home. He gained admiration from young celebrities, including Tony Curtis. Whoa. He gained admiration from young celebrities, including Tony Curtis, Phil Silvers, Phil Silvers, and Frank Sinatra. Siegel had several relationships with prominent women, including count, including socialite Countess Dorothy DeFrosco. Dorothy, Dorothy DeFrosso. The alliance with the Countess took Siegel to Italy in 1938, where he met Benito, where he met Benito Mussolini, to whom Siegel tried to sell weapons. Siegel also met Nazi leaders Hermann Göring and Joseph Goebbels to whom he took an instant dislike and later offered to kill. Well, yeah. That that's that's just the one thing the one thing Bugsy ever did. Bugsy ever thought that was good. That was positive. He took all that and he wanted to kill them. Yay, Bugsy wanted to kill Herman Goring and Joseph, Joseph Goebbels. Now, if he just also wanted to kill Hitler, that would have been perfect. So Siegel has several relationships with prominent... Oh, I just... Riff, riff, sorry. In Hollywood, Siegel worked with the syndicate to form illegal rackets. He devised a plan of extorting movie studios. He would take over local trade unions, such as the Screen Actors... Such as the Screen Extras Guild and Los Angeles Teamsters and and stage strikes to form for studios to pay him off so that the unions would start working again. Siegel borrowed money from celebrities and didn't pay them back, knowing that he would knowing they would never ask him for the money, due to his volatile manners. During his first year in Hollywood he received more than four hundred thousand dollars in loans from movie stars. There is lengthy the thing the things that the things that there's I there's a picture there's a picture that I that I just found that I didn't reference in my notes that shows the memorial. There's a memorial outside the flamingo, the current flamingo. There's a memorial outside the current flamingo outside a wedding chapel at the current flamingo, and that's Bugsy's memorial. 
And if you go to Vegas and you can go near a wedding chapel or you can get near a wedding chapel and you can see the memorial to Bugsy, that memorial is where Bugsy's Flamingo was, where the entrance to Bugsy's Flamingo was. Now, the new Flamingo, which is currently standing, is, is not where it was off. It's still on the property, but it's not where he's was. So that, and it's just all this stuff that you can get into and all this stuff that you'll find is just beyond, beyond awesome. This is so cool. Just to, re- to reason, to, to, to study this history about, about someone so critical, someone so pivotal in Vegas's history is, is kind of interesting, kind of interesting. So I kind of thank, I thank you all, not kind of, I thank you all for bearing with me and listening to me and sticking along even at this late hour. uh, Thank you for all sticking in. Stick around for a little bit more. There'll be a little bit extra on the end here. Hey, guys. Check out the best cruising podcast and YouTube channel for everything cruising needed everything cruise cruising enjoyed everything you love about cruising they're experts they know their stuff and they're beyond awesome you'll love the podcast you'll love their youtube channel they're the best cruising podcast out there check out fantastic cruising on the podcast on your favorite podcast devices and favorite podcast programs and also check out fantastic studios on youtube they are beyond great. Give and Matt and Kimbra follow. Give them a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and every other podcast you choose. They are beyond awesome, and you won't be disappointed. You won't be upset in any way, shape, or form. Want to go to Vegas? Visit the best places all around the Strip and all around downtown, all around the surrounding areas. Check out the best vlogs for Vegas anywhere on YouTube at Brar Frederick over on YouTube. B-R-O-R Frederick, F-R-E-D-R-I-K. Over on YouTube, go over to Brar Frederick. Subscribe to his channel. Click that bell icon. Click that Hit those those like those like up thumbs. Give give Brar a follow. Give Brar a look. You'll really love what you're seeing. He's an awesome streamer, the best Vegas streamer, and the best thing to watch while you're in Vegas before you go to Vegas, just to experience Vegas as a whole. Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters building a better, safer, more equitable world for LGBTQIA people and their families. Every gift, whether $1 or $1,000, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. 
please show them some love and give them some support.